and welcome to the LMA podcast featuring thought-provoking conversations with legal marketing and business experts. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the LMA podcast. My name is Jill Hughes, and I am the president of the Legal Marketing Association and co-founder of Society 54. I have the pleasure today of being your host. So in an effort to start shining light on some of the amazing things that my colleagues are shepherding, I'll be using this podcast platform throughout the year to share how we are elevating as a community. Today, we're going to be exploring well-being and mental health. It really is an essential topic for our community and something we've made a conscious effort to channel resources and attention into. So May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and now more than ever, it's crucial to vocalize the importance of well-being, both in our personal and professional lives. Just this past month, LMA launched a brand new well-being committee that they're in the process of forming, as well as the Resource Center to support our members in being resilient, healthy, and whole. So now I'd like to welcome our guests, the LMA Wellbeing Committee co-chairs. First off, Renee Branson of RB Consulting has dedicated 20, the past 20 years to cultivating resilience in individuals, teams, and organizations. Renee's helped organizations in the legal sector minimize the damage caused by toxic stress, burnout, addictions, and mental health concerns. Welcome, Renee. Hi, it's great to be here. So also joining us is Ryan King. Ryan's the Director of Communications at Ogletree Deacons. His unique experience includes having worked both in-house, in the media, and at a PR setting. Ryan's an active member of LMA, having been the co-chair of the PR Communications Shared Interest Group, and he's shared his thought leadership in many, with many of our colleagues throughout LMA. So I've been grateful to know Ryan for about 10 years now, as we're both part of the Southeast region. Great to have you here, Ryan. Hey, good. Good to see you, Jill. Good to see you, Renee. Thanks so much for having me today. Yeah. Well, thank you both um, for, for making the time to talk with us today. Uh, and a warm welcome to those who, who are tuning into the LMA podcast for the first time. And if you've already been here, welcome back. In today's conversation, we're going to talk about the creation of the Wellbeing Initiative for LMA, as well as increasing importance of destigmatizing mental health and providing resources and outlets for our members. LMA is truly a place where you can connect with like-minded professionals and lean on a community that can help you come out of difficult situations even stronger. I personally count on so many members of this community as my mental health guides. They've helped me along the way in so many instances, and I'm grateful to them and our guests today who've helped really spearhead this effort and shine a light on this very important issue. So let's get started. The Wellbeing Committee is newly formed. I know that the co-chairs have been formed and you guys are in the process of actually forming the committee as well. Can you tell us a little bit about the goals and mission, Renee? Yeah, absolutely. So really one of the, the big goals that we have is to really destigmatize the idea of mental health and mental health challenges and being able to openly discuss well-being where our focus is as well on being a support, helping to provide the resources and training needed to the legal marketing profession so that they know where to go, not only in times of crisis, but in times of any kind of challenge or, or change so they can feel supported in, in what they're doing. That's fantastic. And our listeners are probably also very interested in knowing what led you both here to wanting to co-chair. Ryan, can you share a little bit about your journey? Yeah, so I was approached by Cynthia, the outgoing LMA president, and I was approached by her at last year's LMA SE conference in Birmingham. And she had mentioned that 
uh, LMA was going to be moving forward with a well-being committee and something uh, quite frankly long overdue and that's no one's fault it's just something that we should be uh, we should be doing not only for ourselves but our members given the industry that we work in I have some experience in that area both with uh, familiar experience and personal experience and given other leadership roles I had she had asked me to partner with Renee and here we are and I'm really looking forward to uh, what we can bring to our members and the value that they will uh, receive Great. And Renee, I know that you have history in this, in a background. What kind of brought you here today? So you're right. So for the last 20 years, my experience has been, you know, in education and in, and as a, as a therapist and mental health professional working with survivors of, of trauma primarily. And so became really interested in what it was that makes people resilient. And as I became introduced to the legal profession and the profound stress and strain that attorneys were experiencing in terms of depression, anxiety, even suicide, and I noticed a lot of those conversations were just around lawyers. And of course, nobody lives in a vacuum, right? So what impacts one in a firm impacts all and so I, I noticed that legal marketers and other other professionals in the legal space were being left out of that conversation. So when Cynthia reached out to me to to see how we could bring some of these things, the well-being initiatives, to the legal marketing profession, I, I jumped at the chance because it was such a need. I thought um, and excited to help bring that work to you all. We are so happy that you did. Um, I think both having both of your experience is really kind of what's going to make this initiative very successful for our organization. I know for me, um, I've had a lot of health struggles in the past battling cancer, and it's very tolling on you, and it, it makes you kind of go through a lot of different emotions, but it builds a lot of resilience also. But I know for me, you know, going back every year just to have my test, my annual test is stressful. And I deal with that fear of the unknown and what that means. It's kind of paralyzing. And I kind of feel like that's how we are right now. We're in this paralyzed environment because we don't know what's happening, right? We're, we're just isolated and we're stressed. And I'm wondering if you guys are seeing that as you're kind of talking to members. So what does that isolation look like? What are our colleagues adapting to? How can we help them? Renee, do you want to share a little bit of, about that experience with us? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I'm noticing and that we're experiencing is that we're experiencing two kinds of trauma. And I really do want to call it what it is. It really is a kind of trauma that we are experiencing. Some are experiencing it on a much higher level if they've been personally impacted by the virus. But we have, we're experiencing an individual trauma, how it's affecting us personally, and we're also experiencing a, what's called a collective trauma. So it's something that happens to a large community, and in this case, literally globally, and it shakes the foundation of how our society functions, you know, how our work functions. And so we really do feel like we are on shifting sand right now. And normally in times of that kind of crisis and that kind of, of collective trauma, we tend to we naturally lean on one another, pull our support systems in close to us, but that's also been a bit compromised. We're having to learn and adapt how to do that in different ways because we can't always necessarily see the family maybe that we would normally rely on or the friend and support system. So that's one of the things that I, you know, that I am noticing and, and some of the things that I hear a lot of is, 
I'm hitting a wall. I was doing okay yesterday and all of a sudden I'm not today. Or this feels like grief. I'm feeling some of the same things I felt when I lost a, you know, a loved one or I'm, what is this thing that I'm feeling? And all of that is very, very legitimate. I know yesterday for me was, I just called it a heavy day. I don't know what it was about yesterday that was different than the day before or today precisely, but it tends to come in waves. Grief and, and, and our processing of that tends to come in, in waves. And if we can, and what I've been telling people in those moments, as much as we want to push away from those feelings um, of whether that's grief or sadness or anger is to allow yourself to sit with it a little bit because the more we try to push it away the more it's going to double in force and hit us harder the next time but to sit with it accept that feeling name it even out loud to a friend i'm feeling you know fill in the blank and there's something about naming it that makes it easier to move through that emotion and and then there'll be another wave. Again, that's the way it's going to be for a while, but to be able to identify all of that. That's really interesting. I, I was reading an article earlier and it was talking about how we're all kind of in survival mode right now, right? We're just kind of, it's almost a, a numbness that we're feeling. And it's interesting to be reflective in that moment and really kind of try to process those feelings. And I think it could help us greatly. It's, it's kind of like dealing with those effects of grief, like you said. So when we talk about what well-being is, what does that mean for you? I mean, everybody defines it a little bit differently. Ryan, what are your thoughts as it relates to that word and what that meaning is? Yeah, well, it's going to mean something specific for the person. So just to back up a little bit while we're all in sort of self-isolation, here with like my wife and three kids so I've got a <clears throat> excuse me I've got a bunch of people around however I can totally imagine the experience of say a single person living in a one-bedroom apartment right it's a completely different experience just the reduced amount of space and things like that so well-being is going to be unique to the individual there's going to be no one-size-fits-all and I think that that's important as we begin communicating the value of the resources that are available to folks in the well-being resource center look there it's not a one-size-fits-all what works for you is what works for you and that's fantastic just because something works for her or him doesn't necessarily mean it has to work for you and I think that there's a good liberation sense of experimentation right now in terms of finding out what that well-being is for you. The goal is going to be to balance all aspects of your life, whether that is if you're a single person, maybe that's balancing uh, a sense of loneliness and isolation. Maybe if you have a significant other or a spouse, it's really doubling down on that partnership. Uh, work is crazy right now, right? If you have work, you're crazy with work. And so it's managing that to make sure that you're really good to yourself and you're not working at all hours of the day because you have the time. Uh, and if you have unfortunately been furloughed off, you know, it's using that opportunity to really catalog and prioritize your skill set so that when you're back on the market, you're ready to go and you've developed a really great elevator pitch and you've identified the skill sets that you know an employer wants. It's also developing healthy habits. I saw a bunch of memes uh, about a month ago when we were first being quarantined and one was the little Debbie character. And then it was like 14 days later and the little Debbie character had obviously put on a lot of weight. So it is making sure that you have healthy habits, right? So if you drink, do it in moderation. Eat junk food, don't do it too much, you know? Have proper nutrition. 
Uh, make sure the social. I know it's very difficult to get out right now, but maybe you do FaceTime with friends or maybe you do uh, some online games together. And uh, I think it's also important to have a hobby. You guys know that I'm active in music and DJing. And so I think it's important to have a hobby that you're very passionate about. Or hey, go learn a new skill. I took a class on SEO earlier this month through General Assembly. And so it's really just trying to balance all of these aspects of your life. And look, they're, they're going to be weighted averages. Not everything has to be the same 20% to make up 100. Some things can be more, some things can be less. And that's perfectly acceptable, but it's a balance. Uh, all three of us, myself and Jill and Cynthia, uh, have been involved in the legal industry in some capacity for many, many years, myself more than a decade. And so I know that, that you'll both agree, uh, Jill and Cynthia, that uh, that the industry, specifically legal marketing, is a fast-paced environment uh, with high expectations and, and little margin for error and a significant work volume. And Jill, I know that that's something that you uh, can speak about as well, but that, that's, a, that's a huge stressor. And so time now to have well-being and balance can really combat these forces that really have a lot of control over you. Absolutely. That's a really important consideration. Our um, work environments are super stressful. I mean, Renee was kind of hitting on that a little bit earlier too with uh, the attorneys that we work with. It's an expected level of perfectionism that it's really hard to get away from. And I experienced it the other day. I was talking to one of my colleagues and she was frustrated because one of her attorneys was upset because the quality of the video that the attorney put forward on the video message he sent out about COVID was not as professional as it usually was. So it was stressing her out and it's about kind of giving each other some grace right now and trying to make her understand that it can't be perfect. Information and getting things out quickly is more important than perfectionism, especially in this case. So I, I think that that's a great kind of reactionary point to um, illustrate. Renee, what do you think about the word well-being? What does that mean for you? I think Ryan really really hit it, um, hit the nail on the head in terms of it being different things for different people. But not only that, it's different things for us at different times in our life, right? Different things are going to mean more to us. So some of the things I think about when I think about well-being is like having a sense of security, um, having a sense of life satisfaction, having some self-efficacy around what we, what we can control and what we can do. And then the ability to feel, um, the ability to be authentic and show up as our whole full selves and experience belonging from that and feeling worthy. I think right now we're in a time where a lot of us, what's really rising to the surface kind of goes back to Mas. If we, you remember from, you know, our psych 101 classes, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and we're right down there kind of at the bottom of just, we just want to be safe right now. And so our sense of well-being is really honed around just that fundamental level where in other times in our lives where we can be a little bit more higher ordered in terms of what it means to be, you know, to, to have some uh, well-being, it's more a sense of, of loftier kinds of experiences. Uh, so yeah, it varies from person to person. It varies from time to time. And so that's why it's really worthwhile to be intentional about thinking about it, what it means for you. What would it mean for me in this moment? to experience well-being? How would I know I'm experiencing it? 
That's awesome. I know that Renee, you mentioned earlier that we're dealing with this individually as well as on a global platform. And I think that for those of us who are in-house at law firms, we're, we're also dealing with it both individually as well as from a firm perspective. Do you guys have any recommendations for how to mitigate the stress within <clears throat> your own professional lives or even helping the firm to kind of think about how to make changes to impact the well-being of the employees of the firm? Yeah, I think one of the things that we all need to, to realize is that we are, if it feels like we are not thinking as well or being productive as productive as we used to be or being able to concentrate, it's because we're not. <laughs> and that is for real, I mean, there's some real biology and science behind that is because when we are in the mode of a survival mode, we we have we experience cognitive dysfunction so if you're a team leader if you have some ability to verbalize this with your with your staff or, or with supervisors to do some kind of educate you know light education around that to say normal processes our ability to process information right now is a bit wonky and so yes it might take going a little bit slower going over kind of the, the you know things that would normally be we know like the back of our hand might take someone saying let's go through this step by step a little bit slower than we need to because having those i call gentle expectations it's not just about having high expectations or low expectations but gentle expectations really not only helps us improve our our mental well-being but actually results in higher and better productivity in the end um, and so once we are through this crisis period, then we can cognitively ramp back up a little bit and we can be more likely to handle the, the normal stress. But right now it does really require us when we're working to be again, slow and intentional and gentle in our expectations. It sounds like we need to have the both of you come into most of our law firms yeah. and talk to our attorneys about general expectations. I think that should be um, a practice that we put forward moving yeah moving through this. Ryan, how about you? Any, any ways that you can think of to kind of help impact change within our firms? Look, I think to rely on each other. You know, there's something to be said for suffering in silence, right? When you're grieving, that's a, that's a very lonely process. When you are stressed out and having uh, anxiety or when you suffer from mental illness, you know, there's a huge unfortunate stigma around that that you often suffer violence. So I think it is critical that we rely on each other. I mean, sharing a lot of the same experiences, the same work environment, the same type of work, the same stressors, often from the same supervisors and or teams. So use resources that are available to you. Use the resources that are available in the uh, Wellbeing Resource Center that is on the uh, LMA website. You may want to get your human resources department involved. Uh, that's either to find out what benefits may be, such as like EAP. That may be to get, the, uh, get HR involved in case you want to start an initiative, maybe a wellness initiative, et cetera. And have honest conversations with your supervisors. I'm going to say it again. Have honest conversations with your supervisors. Yes, that is scary. Yes, that is daunting. And yes, in your head, you're probably saying, oh, I can't do that. What if I get dot, dot, dot? You have honest conversations. Otherwise, nothing's going to be brought to the forefront. And often, if you have said conversations, 
your employer, your supervisor gets it and can help you navigate through these issues. Perhaps it's just having somebody to, to listen to you. Perhaps it's divvying uh, the work that you do. Perhaps it's um, just having somebody that is an empathetic and sympathetic ear to where you feel like a million bucks. So do things, and then, and then here's another thing, right? Do things during the day that are good for you. So have a conversation with the teammate, right? I know that we're all working from home right now, so maybe you just message them on any social media channel or FaceTime with them. Have a good 20 minutes talk with a teammate during the day. Go for a walk, 15, 20 minutes, it's not a bad idea. Uh, do some sort of work at home workout and you don't have to even break a sweat, but just something to get away from the desk, break up the monotony, get the blood pumping. You really will feel invigorated and less stress. Uh, and then also researching an activity that excitement and something to look forward to. So for example, one of my teammates uh, is engaged and she and her fiance want to go away on a wedding. And so they're researching, do they go to Europe? Do they go to Greece? Do they go to Spain? And so that's something that provides excitement and is something to look forward to. And I, I, want, I want to encourage you to do this in every opportunity that you can. And it's going to get easier the more often that you do it. I want you to erase the stigma by being confident in your ability to have a conversation about your needs. Nothing will change if you do not advocate for yourself. So be confident in what your needs are. They are true. They are real. And they need to be met. And if they don't, you're going to find yourself stymied, frustrated, angry, feeling heavy. But yet if you have the conversation or if you, if you feel emboldened and empowered to reduce the stigma and become having that conversation, my Lord, you've just moved some big mental boulders. And you'll find that other things become easy as well. And you'll learn what boundaries you have and what capabilities you have. It's quite invigorating. Yeah, that's so important, having those honest conversations. It's hard to do, but managing up is a skill that most of us are going to have to learn at some point if we want to excel in our careers, and this is a good time to do it. I know that when I was directing my last law firm, a lot of people didn't share that feedback, and one of my people actually got hives. She called in one day, and she's like, I have hives. I can't come into the office because I'm so stressed. And I had no idea that she had been that stressed. So opening up the dialogue and having those conversations is really important. In fact, F Squared Marketing helped us with a survey last year, and they were talking about, you know, the stressful situations in our workforce. And 75% of people said that they felt significantly stressed at work. I've been there. I've done that. It surprised me, though, because it, we had different metrics in place, and this just wasn't stress. This was significant stress. So it was really, really important to kind of have that, have that dialogue, as you mentioned, very early on as much as you can. So uh, those are great recommendations. We'll have to be sure to include all those in the Wellbeing Resource Center that we just launched last month. Thank you guys for all you've done on that. You can find that for all of our listeners on our website, legalmarketing.org under the connect uh, button and there's a well-being resource center. The resource provides this community with curated resources ranging from COVID-19 to mental, physical health, substance abuse, suicide prevention, self-assessments, and much, much more. Ryan, could you recommend to our community how they can best benefit from these resources? Yeah, well, let's say first things first, that taking action in a meaningful way is a very, very powerful first step. That action doesn't mean have to boil the ocean. It means one simple direct action that you are doing 
to make yourself feel or be better. And you should be proud you did it, whether it was for yourself or someone in need. So find resources that answer the questions uh, that you have and then put those strategies and tactics in place little by little over time. So on the, on the uh, resource center, you'll find a bunch, Joe mentioned them, you'll find a bunch of, of subtopics. Go and investigate those that work for you and then go, go read some things that are also curious about you because oftentimes a lot of things with uh, well-being, uh, mental health, they're often very, very uh, intertwined. So listen, it, it, it's great, but it's unrealistic to think that you're going to spend 30 minutes a day say, performing some mindfulness exercises or some sort of physical activity if it hasn't been part of your life before. Starting small is perfectly okay, and you should give yourself credit for it. Giving yourself credit is sort of like the present that you give yourself. And many of the issues that we deal with today are, are complex. And like I said, they're very, very intertwined. So start small, be direct, and work backward to understand how you can improve yourself and or your environment. So for example, I'm focused on two things right now. Uh, one is mindfulness, right? So I am trying to be present for, I don't know, 20 minutes a day. And that might be four or five minute segments, might be two 10 minute segments. But I'm really trying to focus on my breathing, not focusing on email, not focusing on my children that I can hear running through the house, not focusing on what's going on tonight or tomorrow or what has already happened, just literally being in the present moment. And it is incredibly relaxing uh, because all of your thinking about is just that very, very moment. Nothing else. Uh, and it requires great concentration. So I found that that has helped me uh, increase my concentration with my work. And then the second, right, I can't get to the gym, uh, is engaging in some sort of physical activity for 30 minutes. So does that mean like throwing my kids around? Does that mean doing air squats and bodyweight exercises and going up and down the stairs? It doesn't matter what it is so long as I've done it. And, you know, if I didn't do something one day, do not beat yourself up. Don't, don't flog yourself, please. Just get back on the track and keep it moving. That's the greatest gift you can give yourself at this time. So Ryan, I love that comment about being present because I think in this environment that we're in, being present takes a whole new level. We kind of want to get through it, get to the next day, but we have such a gift right now, especially those of us with families to really take a step back and be present with our family. So um, love that. Renee, is there any one resource that you can point to that, that you think is something that, you know, we should maybe check out? Yeah, I, I do. I think one of the things in the last couple of days, it's been top of mind for me because I'm, I'm here in Charlottesville, Virginia. And as some of you may know, the ER physician who lost her life to suicide, she was here in Charlottesville. And so I think the number one resource, whether you think that you need it or not, is to make sure that you have crisis numbers at the ready. Whether it's the suicide prevention hotline or just a crisis talk line, there are some that are specific for adolescents or for younger kids. So if you have people in your home who are at different age levels, gather those resources, have them on a sticky note to be able to, even if it's not at a point where you're feeling uh, maybe some, some self-harm, but really just need someone or need to need someone to have a place to talk, even text, there's a texting crisis line, which is great for people who don't want to talk on the phone. Like my kids would be like, no, they would text before they would pick up a phone and, and call. 
We already have some of those resources on, um, on the well-being resource page. We're going to be adding some more, and maybe we can add some links onto this conversation. That would be the number one thing to do. Have those at the ready. That's fantastic. Yeah, just talking to people. My colleague was talking to this person that she coaches that usually is off the phone in 10 minutes, and he kept her on for an hour just because he wanted to talk to somebody say thank you to you guys. All the efforts that you're doing, not just for this committee, but for the Wellbeing Resource Center, it's really appreciated. It's impactful, it's necessary, and it's making a difference. It's coming at this great time of need for all of us. And I know that a lot is changing very quickly and it's super disruptive, not only to how we're dealing with those changes, but the daily impact of having our dogs barking in the background or practicing the social distancing or unexpected homeschooling that we have to do, but we are dealing with this all together. We're all in this together, as everybody keeps saying. And we all know that May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and it's a great opportunity to raise awareness to reduce the stigma around paying attention to addressing mental health. Ryan, I'd be curious to know, why is this month important to you? Yeah, well, first of all, it's very, very important to underscore that you are, are not alone in this. Like you really need to know that there's other people and resources and, and, and pals and a support network around you. Um, right now, I would, I would appreciate anyone listening to this podcast himself or himself. I am not alone in this. Just take a moment, say that to yourself and believe it. Uh, further, it's with near certainty that anyone that struggles with mental illness knows someone who does. And sadly, our LMA community lost a great leader in Ian Turville who uh, uh, took his own life. And personally, my older brother took his own life uh, two years ago. So these struggles are very real, regardless of whether they create suicidal thoughts or tendencies, or should it be something as, as sort of more common as general anxiety. So one thing that is critically important to know is that it is very real and very difficult to the afflicted person. So Throw all of that on top of the stats from the F-squared marketing survey and the description of what it's like to work in legal and the recipe for struggle and disaster is there. So this month particularly is important to me uh, as I seek out Ian's memory and that of my older brother, Jason. Uh, it's important as I have my own struggles with mental illness and it's important because there's a stigma and a cycle of shame and stigma that we often don't do what is best for us. And that, that's got to stop. It just, it must stop. So my hope is that the Wellbeing Committee, Renee, myself, and the related resources tell marketers that we are serious about these issues and that we are very, very much united in our ability to help one another and that we have the strength in our voices to make a difference for ourselves and for each other. That's fantastic. Are there any goals that you guys have stated for this year of what you want to accomplish? for the committee? Yeah, I think one of the things is going to be, again, on the campaign to generate awareness for the committee, drive awareness and usage of the resource, work to erase the stigma of well-being, mental health, things of that nature, the negative connotation that it brings, empower legal marketers and LMA members to really help themselves and help others, uh, and then from there, let this committee grow, welcoming in new committee members, continuing to develop a, a suite of content, whether that is blog posts or podcasts or webinars, uh, and just continue to move from there. We have some serious issues ahead of us. 
Lawyer Wellbeing Week typically falls in May, and that's an annual event. So if there's a Lawyer Wellbeing Week for lawyers, there should definitely be some things for legal marketers. So I'm thrilled that Cynthia, uh, Renee, and myself ha have been tapped to sort of lead the charge. And I just want to encourage folks to please not suffer in silence, to find your voice and know that there is someone out there close to you right now that is totally willing and able and would love to help you. So what you're saying resonates so much with me because I had the interview with Sally Schmidt earlier this year, who is our founder, LMA's first president, along with 80 other people, they started the Legal Marketing Association, once called NALFMA, back in 1985. And one of the things that she stressed was the importance of community and the need for people to talk with each other about challenges and really kind of lean on each other. And that's really kind of what you're stating right now. And I think it's just, it's so important and it's, it's really kind of coming full, full circle that these problems still exist today and we still have each other to rely on. We are this community where we are one LMA and we really can kind of lean on each other during these times. So I just want to say thank you to both of you. Thank you so much for all the work that you're doing and will be doing in this coming year. I also want to say a special thanks to Cynthia Voth and Holly Amatangelo for all their hard work on this initiative. They've put countless hours, as you and Renee have, into building the Resource Center. And I'm just really excited about what you guys are going to accomplish. So um, in closing, anything else that you'd like to share with us before we, before we sign off today? Really three key things. Start somewhere and don't worry about where you start. You are not in this alone. And then third, there are resources for you. And then finally, it gets better. I promise. Great, great. Wrap up words. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thanks to all our listeners for tuning in today. And I'd like for you to visit legalmarketing.org for well-being resources for all of our community. And until next time, stay safe and healthy. That concludes another installment of the LMA podcast. To discover all that LMA has to offer, visit legalmarketing.org. For links to content featured in this episode, please check out the show notes. If you like the podcast and want to help others find us, we hope you'll take the time to subscribe to it and rate us on iTunes. Thank you and have a great day.